0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon, you're listening to Viewpoint. All of us have a place we call home and it's a place that's near and dear to us. Well, maybe for some of us, we wanna run away from home, but whatever your home background is, it has formed you, for better or worse. But the world is so much more than our home. Our home could be a house or an apartment where we've lived. A home can be a town or a city, a community, a place. A home can be a culture, a civilization. But all of us have to introduce ourselves to the world beyond our home if we really want to experience life. Today on Viewpoint we have as our guests a father-son team who have by design been exploring the world. They've just returned from South Asia, they've been to many places together, but today we're going to talk about some mysterious far-off places that I'm going to guess you've never been to and maybe of which you have never heard. Here on Viewpoint, we like to say we want to help you see your world from heaven's view, to get the big picture. And sometimes you get a big picture by taking a snapshot of a very small place. If you go to the Grand Canyon, for instance, you can't capture the whole thing in a single photo, no matter how you have an app to make your phone a panorama. It's better to take a small snapshot of a detail that suggests the whole. Similarly, when you see the world from heaven's view, You can just be overwhelmed by all the diversity of this world. But if you take a snapshot and just focus in on one small thing, one small place, for instance, suddenly all the rest of the world comes into focus. And our guests today have been doing just that. They've just come back from South Asia and from a very remote part of South Asia. Our guests are Mark Shaner. Mark, thanks for coming alongside once more. It is good to be here, Jim. And we have also his son, Austin.
1: Thanks uh, for letting me join.
0: Now, we've already learned that Austin's 21, so you'll have to guess how old is Mark. But what we have are two generations, father and son. They've explored some many great adventures in this world, but now they've just come from a tiny sliver of India that's sandwiched between exotic places like Myanmar and Bangladesh and Sikkim and Bhutan and China and the subcontinent itself. What's the name of the place, Mark? Meghalaya. It's up in the northeast corner of India. And... That's the name of an Indian state. It's a province. And the capital of that place is called what? Shillong. Shillong. That's a city. And uh, it's not the India that you're imagining. This is not the Taj Mahal. This is not Jaipur out in the deserts. This is not Rajasthan. It's not even the tropical beaches of Goa that some people travel to for vacation. No, it's very different. And, Mark, you were there with your son Austin, right? Yeah, we were. We were there March 22nd to April 5th. And Austin, while you're on this trip... You get to do something that nobody gets to do very often. You actually went to the uh, Houses of Parliament in Schlong. Is that right?
1: It's true, yeah. I got invited uh, by a friend who's a representative uh, in the the district council there to come and visit. And uh, after he invited me, he told me, you'll actually be the first foreigner ever to visit. And so it was pretty special and got to take pictures with all the representatives and have tea with them. It was great.
2: In the newspapers the next day, Jim. He was in three newspapers. Well,
0: because— the first uh, foreigner the first outsider to be actually invited onto the floor of this uh, meeting what strikes you what, what's a vivid snapshot of that moment
1: well yeah, it it was incredible um, to be there and and to watch them and they're all talking in Kasi, so I have no idea what they're Kasi's talking about. the local about. language. Kasi's the local language, and just to watch them be able to to dialogue and they were discussing the uh, the financial uh, calendar of the year and the budget and everything like that. Uh, but just to watch them um, be able to go about everything, and I remember seeing um, above the. The point person above his head um, was a picture of a actual uh, Church of God leader, um, Nichols Roy, and Nichols Roy was the one who started this. And to be in something that a Church of God leader uh, helped start this district council there was was really special.
0: Nichols Roy is a great figure in Indian history who was a leader of the Church of God in India, and uh, he was a part of the independence movement. He was a protege of Gandhi, and he also. Uh, became a member of the Constitutional Convention, which drafted the Indian Constitution still in play today. And he was from this place. He's a local hero and actually a national hero for people who believe in the freedom of religion in India. And these days, his presence and his voice into the development of the modern Indian state is much in the news because India is going through a season where it's reevaluating its religious freedoms. And That voice of Nichols Roy, who's passed away, still rings true. And you were there beneath the portrait. Fantastic. Now, Mark, uh, you were there also in Shillong. And when we come back, I want to ask you about some of your impressions. Describe this place to us. Think about this. What are the snapshots for someone who's never been there and can't even spell the name of the place? What does it look like? We'll be right back. and his son, Austin, have just returned from South Asia, and there they visited an Indian province, a state in the northeast part of India. It's very different from what we stereotypically think of as the subcontinent, because the culture is a crossroads between not just cultures, but also ethnicities, and the way people uh, have their lineages. In Shillong, in northeast India, is different than in other parts of India, which has a more Dravidian look. These folks, they're descended from other people groups in South Asia. Mark Shainer, give us a vision of what it's like in Shillong. What makes it different from the rest of India?
2: Well, first of all, it's just beautiful people. I mean, we're in the foothill of the Himalayas. They call it the Scotland of the West because of the mountainous regions and just the beauty of the country. It feels to me that most of Meghalaya is about four foot 11. Um, in height, it's a matrilineal culture. Well, what does um, that mean? Well, it, it, the women own the property, and the youngest daughter is the one that takes care of the aging parents. And um, the, actually, family names are transferred by generation from the mother's side, right? Absolutely. So the children take mom's maiden name, which is an unusual thing. But beautiful
0: people, Jim, and a lot of people. Let's go back to matrilineal, though, because that's not matriarchal. In a matriarchal society, women occupy the levers of power and are kind of the drivers. But that's not true here. It still has a lot of men in play. But matrilineal just describes the way in which families are defined and estates are transferred in names. Is that right? That is that? absolutely. Yep. Yep. And the beautiful people. And uh, the Scotland of the uh, East has some Geographic uh, similarities. You know, the topography looks like Scotland in a way, although it's a little more tropical than Scotland's ever going to get. I think. But a lot of Presbyterian missionaries went there from way back when during the British period, and yeah, uh, the Church Church of God and the
2: Presbyterian and another group. I think eighty percent of that area is Christian.
0: You wouldn't think that when you think of India, so a large majority. And the people. They have their own language, Khasi. They're not speaking Hindi as much of India does. And they're using a Latin alphabet, not the Sanskrit-based Hindi alphabet. So there are a lot of things that differentiate it. Why are you drawn there? What, what is it that uh, would cause you to visit a place like that? Well,
2: I was invited to go to speak at Nichols Roy Bible College. Um, so I was going to speak at a convocation. Of course, when you go to that part of the world, you get um, kind of caught up in a whole lot of other places and people. The Church of God has been very strong in that region, about 150,000 believers, um, 1,500 churches, um, just a very vibrant people. Uh, Every pastor pastors 12 to 15 churches. How do you pastor 12 to 15 churches? They say our laity are strong, and everybody owns their own Bible and their own hymnal, and they dress in suit and tie. Their suits are nicer than ours, and... Beautiful, beautiful um, dresses are the
0: women wear, and there's a certain formality to their church life.
2: There really is Jim, and and you wouldn't think that when you think of India. We stereotype countries and just say they're all that way, and it's 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 not true.
0: And back to Nichols Roy, the Nichols Roy Bible College, Nichols Roy, this outstanding figure of Indian history and Indian Christian history who's played such a key role in the development of the modern Indian nation. He is the namesake of this Bible college, which exists to train up new generations, I guess, of uh, Christian leaders. Is that fair? That is fair. Yep. Three-year Bible college, and they train and equip them, and then
2: after they finish, they do a three- to five-year internship. They're called evangelists, and then after three to five years, they pastor 12 to 15 churches.
0: And uh, it's a rigorous preparation that we uh, sometimes in the west don't follow
2: Mm -hmm. i think we have a lot to learn from our brothers and
0: sisters in that part of the world there's so much uh, to think about when you go to a place like that there's the beauty of the landscape there's the the civilization represented in modes of dress and language and so on let's talk about food for a minute what are they eating there mark and do you like it Oh, Jim, you just hit the button, man. They, Indian curry
2: is the best food, I think, in the entire world. <laughs> and I would eat it probably three meals a day. Um, Austin might have a different opinion of that. But uh, but their food was very, very
1: good. We ate well. Austin, yeah. what do you think? Are you a curry guy? It was good, just not what I'm used to. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never <laughs> cried so much while I've ate before in my life. <laughs> and, and been happy about it. <laughs> But uh, lots of rice, lots of spice,
0: lots of fresh vegetables and tropical fruits and things like that uh, at all is uh, farm to table when you get to India. Yeah. When we come back, Mark, I want to talk a little bit more about why you're doing this. I understand you were invited to go and speak at a college convocation. I know that it's a privilege to travel with your son always, of course. Uh, But why invest in trips like this beyond the assignment? Why do you believe it's good for us to explore in the world? How does that make a difference in the way in which I live at home?
3: Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea A great high priest whose name is love
0: us make choices with our time, with our money, with our ambitions, our dreams. Sometimes uh, we may think we have fewer opportunities than other people we know. I may not have as much money or as much time or as much opportunity, it would seem, as someone else, but honestly, we all still make choices about what occupies our attention, and in the world today where we have so much access online to a whole world of ideas and places and pictures and photographs... We all can choose to learn about something beyond our home. Mark Shaner and his family have made it their ambition over many years to explore the world and to go on adventures. Mark has four children. Today we have one of his sons, Austin, in the studio with us. They've just returned from South Asia. It's not the first trip, won't be the last. Mark, why? Why invest in this kind of an adventure?
2: Well, Jim, I think it boils down in a verse that so many of us have memorized in John 3.16, and I think we could even lean into 3.17, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. But he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. John doesn't say that for God so loved our world. He said God so loved the world and there's a world of seven billion people out there that God loves. And uh, we, we don't have the luxury as followers of Christ to circle the wagons and just care about our own country, but the God that we serve loves the whole world. And I, and I want my children to understand that there's a big world out there. And uh, the God that we serve is not just a God that loves Americans or Canadians or, or those that are closest to us, but he loves the whole world. And so how can we reflect him by loving that world as well?
0: And so you've made some investments of time and energy, resources, in getting your family abroad. Do you think it has really informed them? I think many of us think of that verse you've just quoted as a kind of maybe a missionary verse. Well, I need to go and, and become a missionary or be a street corner preacher in some far off place, or it talks about God's love for me and my particular people. I mean, there are many different lenses through which people have wrestled with that verse, but I'm hearing you say, no, I have a responsibility to actually be informed about the world God loves so much so that I can influence that world. Do you think that your kids, do you think that you have actually been changed by going? Jim, I grew up in
2: the Boot Hill of Missouri in a very small community, very prejudiced, very very isolated, very small. And then when I went to college, went on a uh, eyewitness trip to Panama, and my world got rocked all of a sudden, I realized that the whole world's not contained in Southeast Missouri. and so um, I've spent my life trying to engage the world and and I want my children, um Vicki and I both have wanted our children to grow up and understand that there's a big world out there, and that again, God loves that world. and so if you don't know the world, then how do you love the world and and I don't know that you have to travel outside our country. I think you can leave your world in your own city and go to another part of the city or go to another place and expose your children and
0: expose your family and yourself to a much bigger world. We live in an age where there's so much uh, movement of people groups across borders and boundaries uh, that the world is becoming a smaller place in a way. And I hear what you're saying, that if you just went down most towns in any part of the United States or Canada, you would find restaurants that represent different parts of the world. And yet we see them as menus instead of peoples and cultures. Mm. And how can we explore? So yes, you don't even actually get on a plane to see a world beyond your own. But wow, if you can, does it make a difference. So Austin, we've got your son right here. He's 21 years old. Would you say that your world is better? Is your life better? Are you right now, Austin Shaner, as you're completing your uh, four-year degree in undergraduate work and you're heading out to strike out on your own, do you think that your father's commitment to exposing you to a bigger world, does it really matter?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it affects everything. Um, Whenever you have a bigger worldview and understand different cultures, different people, you begin to get a bigger picture because you no longer you know, look at someone just as you know the culture that you think they're in. But now whenever I interact with my friends that I grew up with, I see even them that they're part of a bigger culture as well. And so it affects every conversation, every person you're interacting with because you, you don't pigeonhole people into different stuff. And it, it affects how you love people um, because you realize that there's an individual person there and that everyone's different everyone's different than than how you your first impression might be. And Mark, you've given us a verse from the scripture, God
0: so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let's talk about that Jesus thing. Mm. You, seeing the world, and having been many places just now in South Asia, has it taught you something about Jesus, or are you just teaching others about Jesus?
2: No, it's, it's definitely, Jim, help me to understand God, to understand Jesus better, in that he He loves everyone. There's not an exception. Whether they name themselves Muslim or Hindu or some tribal religion or Christian or atheist or agnostic or identify as something else, it really doesn't matter that the God that we serve loves the whole world and not just people that look like me, act like me, walk like me. And um, once your mind changes, you know the way we think determines how we live. Our ideas have consequences. And by traveling around the world, I think my mind has um, shifted um, to where I know the God that I serve loves the world, loves everyone. So it's 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 a game changer for me as well.
0: And I'm guessing that there's another side to that coin when I realize that God loves all those people who may dress or eat or speak differently than do I, he loves me too. Mm. And you know, I think all of us in our home place idealize life based on our home reference points. Our home may be broken or a mess up, but we have an idea of what would be perfect based on the definition of our home place. But when I see other people's home places and, and see the diversity of this world, I look back at my own and think, wow, Does he love me, too, like he loves them? Mm -hmm. We're not sure what your story is, wherever you are in life, but whatever you've done and wherever you've been or wherever you have not been, know this, that God loves you, and he loves you completely and unconditionally and longs to be in a relationship to you. Mark, if there was someone listening to us today who's thinking, none of that makes sense to me because I'm just surviving in my place right now. I don't have the mental bandwidth or the time to think about something that is beyond my own immediate experience." What would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I would say just give Jesus a try. Open up the Bible, go to the book of Mark, read those 16 chapters, and just start to see if this Jesus that we talk about is for real. And I think your life will be changed. It'll be different, but not a bad place to focus all of that tough spot. Not, not to take too long, Jim, but I grew up in a broken home, very dysfunctional home. My parents divorced. And when I came to know Jesus, everything changed. And I believe that for
0: them as well. And your world grew. Oh, man. For the good. Yes. And Mark's story can be your story too. Just take a deep breath right now. And just pray with us. Know that there is a God who knows you by name and he's listening and he wants to hear from you. All you have to do is just pray with us. Allow your heart and your mind to flow and to fly with these words. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the way in which you know us by name. And wherever we are in this vast world, you know exactly who we are and where we might go. We're thankful for your love that brings life and can stretch our horizons and cause us to grow and to become and to be so much more than we imagined that can help us appreciate life and all of its wonder. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus, who has made a way for us to know you, to be redeemed for your purposes and to find life. And for everyone joining us in this prayer today, I ask that they will find you and have a meeting with you before seven days pass. I believe, Lord, you're hearing this prayer and we give our hearts and our futures to you once more. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about how your world can be expanded, about this Jesus that Mark and Austin have been talking about from many parts of the globe, just give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW, toll-free, 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, a member of our ministry team is live on the phone. We want to hear from you. You can also check us out online at CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, that's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there, you can read about the world there, and you can send us an email. We will reply, I promise. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420-2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Mark Shaner, Austin Shaner, always proud to be in your company. Thanks for coming today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. And we're so thankful that you joined us too. We hope that you're beginning to see your world a little better and more brightly from heaven's view. We hope you'll be with us again next week. Until then... For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.